Morning. It is March 5th, 2022, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and it is time for our next edition of Star Trek Radio Theater here on Live Long and Podcast. I'm Dave Mater, coming at you here with a great cast tonight to bring you our next script read of, of Star Trek. We are doing the 10th episode from Star Trek The Next Generation's first season. It's called Hiding Q tonight, and we are doing this to celebrate the second season of Star Trek Picard, which is featuring Q heavily, and Guinan, and a whole bunch of other uh, TNG uh, greats. Uh, this episode was written by C.J. Holland and Gene Roddenberry all the way back in 1987. First aired November 23rd of that year. And in Star Trek years, it's 2364. This is our second uh, episode of season three of Radio Theater, our 47th overall. We got a, a great cast. I like. I usually introduce the, the whole cast here at the end. Uh, I just want to mention we got Steve Shives with us tonight. Hi, everybody. This YouTube channel. Welcome tonight, and glad to have you with us, Steve. Uh, you're Commander Riker again, as you were last year with us as we did Samaritan Snare. And we got the other Live Long and Podcast uh, faithfuls here. We got Jody Simpson. We got Jeff Mater. Coolantly, coolantly. <laughs> we, got, we got Mott Tyrell. We got the Kevin and Ashley Millard, the Bajoran workers. And we got uh, Discovery Zone, Michael Chan, uh, <laughs> along with Jessica Chan and Gus Chan, also, uh, as I see there. He's coming along for the ride. So excited to bring this in. We're going to get into the script read. Uh, and then uh, if you'll be able to listen to the edited version, probably in a couple weeks, uh, that we'll have all like the final production. We hope you enjoy the show and we are going to jump right into it. Okay. All right. Starting with sound number one and cue. Captain's log, stardate 41590.5. Having dropped off Counselor Troy at Starbase G6 for a shuttle to visit home, we were fortunately close to Sigma-3 solar system when its Federation colony transmitted an urgent call for medical help. An accidental explosion has devastated a mining operation there. We focus on a corridor. Dr. Crusher is coming out of sickbay with some of her medical staff. Include a burn unit with each kit. Upon arrival, identify the most critically injured and beam them up to Cargo Bay 6. Dr. Crusher, this is the captain! Crusher stops at a panel to talk to Picard. Dr. Crusher here. We focus on the Enterprise Bridge. Additional information! The number of colonists at the site is 504! Are you prepared for that many, Doctor? We believe so, sir. Captain, we are now at warp 9.1, sir. Well, which will bring us to the colony in 3.2 hours. Riker enters the bridge from the turbo lift. Captain, I have a schematic of the explosion site. It suggests the cause as a methane-like gas seeping in from underground. Captain, I'm picking up a force field out there of some kind. It's almost... On the view screen, a force field can be seen enveloping the Enterprise. It looks just like the one they encountered at Farpoint. Well, the Q entity, sir, it is identical to the grid we encountered when... Reach solid, sir. Emergency! Full stop! Reversing powers, sir! Not now, damn it, Q! 
Shields and deflectors up, sir. Now reading full stop, sir. There is a flash. And a strange glowing ball with three cobras coming out of it is hovering on the bridge. Humans! I thought by now you would have scampered back to your own little star system. Worf jumps over to the tactical arch and draws his phaser. Tasha realizes, as head of security, that this should have been her reaction. She pulls her phaser and rushes up beside Worf to make it seem like she's actually doing her job. If this is Q I'm addressing, we are on a mission of rescue where a group of badly injured... We the Q have studied our recent contact with you and are impressed. We have much to discuss, including perhaps the realization of your most impossible dream. However intriguing that may be, Q, we are now in the midst of an urgent journey. Once that is completed, then perhaps... You will abandon that mission, Captain. My business with you takes precedence. If my magnificence blinds you, well, perhaps something more familiar. Another flash of light and the human-looking Q is on the bridge. He is dressed in a Starfleet uniform, complete with ornate gold piping. Starfleet Admiral Q, at your service. Captain's Log Supplemental. Our rescue mission to Sigma 3 solar system has been halted by an immense grid and an untimely visit from Q. We focus on the Enterprise Bridge. You're no Starfleet Admiral Q. Neither am I an Aldebarian Serpent, Captain, but you accepted me as such. His pronunciation is shaky, but he's got us there, Captain. <laughs> ah, the redoubtable Commander Riker, whom I noticed before. You seem to find this all very amusing. I might, if we weren't on our way to help some suffering and dying humans who- Oh, your species and all its suffering and dying. Worf, looking angry, begins to move towards Q. No, Lieutenant Worf! You'll make no move against him unless I order it! <laughs> Pity you might have learned an interesting lesson, macro head, with a micro brain. <laughs> you said you had the realization of an impossible dream to offer us. When this rescue is completed, I am prepared to listen carefully to whatever proposal you may wish to make. And subject to it being acceptable. Subject to your foolish human values? Oh, come Picard. Why do you distrust me so? Why? At our first meeting, you seized my vessel! You contend all humans are savages! And on that charge, you tried us in a post-atomic 21st century court of horrors! When you attacked my people, you again seized my vessel! And that angered you, did it? Seize my vessel! Seize my vessel! You interfered with our Farpoint mission! 
you threatened to convict us as ignorant savages if, while dealing with our powerful and complex life forms, we made the slightest mistake. And when that didn't happen, the Q became interested in you. Does no one here understand your incredibly good fortune? Seize my vessel! These are the complaints of a close-minded, too accustomed to military privilege. But you, Riker, you sexy beast, and I remember you well. What do you make of my offer? We don't have time for these games. Games? Did somebody say games? And perchance for interest's sake, a deadly game? To the game! There is another flash. Picard is alone on the bridge. We focus on the Q planet surface. It is a classic Star Trek planet full of rocks and sand with a green sky and two moons. Riker, Worf, LaForge, Tasha, and Data have all appeared on the surface. Where are we? Well, obviously a glass and world, gravity and oxygen within our limits. Twin moons? Where are we? Well, considering the power demonstrated by Q the last time, anywhere, assuming this place even exists. But this won't be boring. If Q is anything, he's imaginative. Apparently our captain wasn't meant to be here with us. We focus on the Enterprise bridge. Picard is pacing. Security! This is the captain! No one answers. Security? Engineering, this is the bridge. Still no answer. He goes over to Ops and presses a button. No response. He tries the turbo lift doors, but they won't open. Turbo lift control, do you read? This is the captain. Nothing. We focus on the Q planet surface. The team is looking around, trying to get their bearings. Tasha spots something. Sure, over there. It's Q. He is now wearing a French Napoleonic uniform, complete with tricorn hat and tricolor cockade. He has a tent set up with a table and refreshments. Join me, Riker. A good game needs rules and planning. Wasn't it your own Hartley who said, nothing reveals humanity so well as the game it plays? Almost right. Actually, you reveal yourselves best in how you play. Sir, what he has mine might provide us with vital information. Riker swaggers over and joins Q at the table. Q is sipping a drink from a wine goblet. He gestures to Riker's glass. Riker picks up the glass and takes a sip. He seems amused. Incredible. I was just thinking about an old-fashioned lemonade. And so it became that. An excellent thirst quencher. It gets rather hot out here on this plain. What about my people? Whatever they'd like, of course. 
Goblets appear in everybody's hands. Jordy takes a sip. Worf ostentatiously pours his onto the ground while glaring unblinkingly at Q. Drink not with thine enemy, the rigid Klingon code. That explains something of why you defeated them. You're still fascinated with the human past? Perhaps you're not that original. Au contraire. It's the human future that intrigues us and should concern you most. You see, of all species, yours cannot abide stagnation. Change is at the heart of what you are, but change into what? That is the question. That is what humans call a truism. You mean hardly original? You're the one who said it. While we're at it, this isn't part of any human future. True. I bestowed this from your stodgy captain's mind. This is the dressing for a game that we will play. Now, games require rules and rewards and dangers and familiar settings. That sort of thing. This isn't that familiar to me. Data? This is from you of Napoleon sir. Late 18th, early 19th century. This is a campaign headquarters tent. His uniform is that of a French army marshal. And a marshal outranks even an admiral. Well, do you think I would go from a Starfleet admiral to anything else? <laughs> of course you wouldn't. But Napoleonic equipment on an alien planet? One so different it has twin moons? Well, uh, as you said, I'm nothing if not imaginative. And the game should reflect that. Shall it be a test of strength? Meaningless, since you have none. A test of intelligence, then? <laughs> Equally as meaningless. But it needs risk, something to win, and something to lose. If we must play a game, what would we win? The greatest possible future that one can imagine. Of course, requires something totally disastrous if you're to lose. Now, the point of the game shall be, can any of you stay alive? If your game is fair, we will. <laughs> oh, for shame, Worf. Fairness is such a human concept. Think imaginatively. This game shall, in fact, be completely unfair. <sighs> it's gone too far. Game penalty! Tasha vanishes. Where is she, Q? You can forget your game if... <laughs> to use the 20th century term, she's in the penalty box. Sinbin, whatever you want to call it. Where she will remain unharmed until one of you merits a penalty. Unfortunately, there is only one penalty box. And if any of you should be sent there... Dear Tasha might give the box up to you. And where does she go? <laughs> Into nothingness! I entreat you to carefully obey the rules of the game. The one, the only one who can destroy your Tasha now, other than a sludge monster, is you! We focus on the Enterprise Bridge. Picard is still alone. He walks over and sits in his chair. 
Captain's log. Captain's log. Damn it! I can't even make a log entry. I wish I could help you, Captain. Tasha is suddenly behind Picard at Tactical. Picard makes his way over to her. Where is everyone else? Down on some planet. Some planet? What are you doing here? Well, I, uh, it sounds strange, but I'm in a penalty box. A penalty box? What is this, hockey? Huge penalty box. It sounds strange, but it definitely isn't. I know that one more penalty by anyone, and I'm gone. Gone. Gone? Yes, I'm gone. <laughs> uh, so frustrating to be controlled like this. <sighs> Lieutenant. Tasha. Uh. It's all right. What the hell am I doing? Crying? <sighs> Don't worry. There's a new ship standing order on the bridge. When one is in the penalty box, tears are permitted. Oh, Captain. If you were the Captain. <sighs> what in the out-of-nowhere, out-of-character, poorly written, flirty nonsense is going on here? And what does being a Captain have to do with it? That never stopped Kirk. Q appears on the bridge, sitting in the captain's chair. What is going on over here? Consorting with lower-ranking females, Captain? Especially ones in penalty boxes? Destructive to discipline, they say. But then again, you're what? You're only human. Penalty over. Picard makes his way down to Q and notices his outfit. A marshal of froth! Ridiculous! Well, one takes what job he can get. For example, star log entry, stardate, mm, today. This is Q speaking for Captain Jean-Luc Picard, who we consider too bound by Starfleet's customs and traditions to be useful to us. The Enterprise is now helpless. Stuck like an earth insect in amber, like Jurassic Park. Well, it's bridge crew plays out a game whose real intent is to test whether the first officer is worthy of the greatest gift the Q can offer. So, you're taking on Riker this time. Excellent. Hit the future just as I did. <laughs> Shall we wager on that, Capitan? Your starship command against... Against your keeping out of humanity's path forever. Done? D done! You're already lost, Picard. Riker will be offered something impossible to refuse. We focus on the Q planet surface. Jordy, Data, and Riker are looking off into the distance. Jordy, can you see Worf? I'd see the freckles on his nose if he had them, sir. He's at the third ridge. <laughs> third ridge? Uh-huh. Moving well, too. Oh. Oh, good. He sees them. Worf is making his way through rocky ledges. 
As he turns a corner, we see French soldiers at an encampment. Some are milling about, others are on patrol, bayonets at the ready. As the soldiers turn, we see that they are not human, but some sort of vicious animal things, complete with snarling and snorting. Wharf retreats. We focus on the ready room. Q is, once again, sitting in Picard's chair. He's reading the collected works of Shakespeare. Picard enters. Listen to me, Q. You seem to have some need for humans. <laughs> Concern regarding them? Whatever it is, why do you demonstrate it through confrontation? Why not a simple direct explanation? A statement of what you seek? Why these games? Why these games? Why? The play is the thing. And I'm surprised you have to ask when your human Shakespeare explains it all so well. So he did, but don't depend too much on any single viewpoint. It's a pity you don't know the content of your own library. Hear this, Picard, and reflect. At the galaxy's a stage. World, not galaxy. All the world's a stage. Oh, you know that one. Well, if he is living now, he would have said galaxy. How about this? Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. I see. So how we respond to a game tells you more about us than our real life. This tale told by an idiot. Oh, interesting cue. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Perhaps maybe a little... Hamlet? Oh no, I know Hamlet. And what he might say with irony, I say with conviction. What a piece of work is man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty. In form, in moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. Surely you don't see your species like that, do you? I see us one day becoming that cue. Is it that which concerns you? Q gets angry, throws his book at Picard, and flashes away in a huff. We focus on the Q planet. Those soldiers have formed a skirmishing line. I think you'd call it... And they're headed this way. Armed with ancient ball and powder muskets? That's what their weapons look like, sir. Well, muskets are appropriate to the 1790 to 1800 French army uniform, sir. But it is hardly a weapon by our standards. Well, a lead ball propelled by gunpowder. 100 meters at best, with any accuracy. Well. Yeah, but against phasers? Just one of our hand phasers could finish off an entire regiment. Except for one thing. 
It hardly sounds like Hugh to give us an advantage like that. <gasps> Unless... Riker draws his phaser and fires at a boulder. It explodes. Worf comes running up, phaser drawn. Drop your weapons! I'm afraid that was me, Worf. I was just checking to see if the phasers still operate, and they do, everybody, the phasers. They work. Incredible, Worf! You came out of nowhere! Warrior's reaction? Report. What did you find? Sir, what they're wearing may be old Earth uniforms, but what's inside of them isn't human at all. More like vicious animal thing. The animal soldiers execute their advance. Those soldiers are moving in faster! Data turns around to look. Data, if you've got a theory about what's happening... But when Data turns back around, it's not Data. It's Q in Data's uniform and makeup. Think fast, Commander Riker, and move fast. One of the soldiers fires. But instead of musket balls, it fires phaser blasts. Jordy jumps out of the way just in time. Ah! Those aren't muskets, Jordy. What the hell? Riker pulls his phaser and vaporizes two soldiers. More soldiers advance and are firing. Q appears to Riker. You have only one chance to save them now. Send them back to your ship. You'll let me beam them? Send them the same way as I do. I've given you the power. Do you understand? I have given you the power of the Q. Use it. A soldier fires on Worf and only just misses. Q vanishes, but we hear his disembodied voice advising Riker. I have given you the power of the Q. Use it. The soldiers continue to advance. Use your power, Luke. I mean, Riker. Riker holds up his hand and flashes Worf, Data, and Jordy away. We focus on space. The Enterprise is still at a standstill behind the force field. Suddenly, the force field vanishes. We focus on the Enterprise bridge. Tasha is sitting alone. She is surprised when the power and function is restored. Picard comes out of his ready room. Lieutenant, take the cone position. Engineering, this is the bridge. 
Engineering here, sir. Engineering, are all systems back online? Back online, sir? We're never off. Captain, you better look at this. There's no interruption in course or speed. Both have remained constant. It's as though we never stopped. It's never, never stopped. We never did, Lieutenant. Cue suspended time. Dwarf, Data, and Jordy appear. Where's Commander Riker? He was with us. He must still be on the planet. We were attacked by these, uh, these animal things. Animal things! Well, maybe Data could explain them better, sir. Well, you may find it aesthetically displeasing, sir. I could just file a computer report on that, well... Data! What? Sure, the important thing right now is why is Commander Riker missing? Understood, Lieutenant. But I suspect that Commander Riker is probably perfectly safe. At least in a physical sense. Q has an interest in him. In fact, Q's entire visit has something to do with our first officer. Well, and the reason for that, sir? I wish I knew. Q first became interested in him in Farpoint. I have no idea what it means. Meanwhile, we must proceed with our rescue mission. We focus on the planet's surface. Riker is sitting on a rock, laughing absurdly. (laughs) Something amuses you? Perhaps you'll share the joke with me? (laughs) The joke is you. Strange gratitude from one who has been granted the gift beyond any human dream. How can you not appreciate being able to send your friends back to the ship or sending the soldiers back to the nothingness from which they came? Certainly, you must understand that at this moment, you can send yourself back to the ship or to Earth or change your shape and become anything else that you want to be. What do you need, Q? Need? You want something from us. Desperately. What is it? Want something from you foolish, fragile non-entities? Oh, come on, Riker. You're beginning to sound like your captain. Now that's a compliment, Q. But that's not an answer. Riker, we have offered you the gift beyond all other gifts. Out of the goodness of your heart. After Farpoint, I return to where we exist, the Q Continuum means exactly what the limitless dimensions of the galaxy in which we exist kind of just like a road in the middle of nowhere i don't understand of course you don't and you never will until you become one of us until would you mind going over that again well if you'll stop interrupting me, this is hardly a time to be teaching you the true nature of the universe. However, at Firepoint, we saw you as savages only. We discovered instead that you were unusual creatures in your own limited ways. Ways in which time will not be so limited. We're growing. Something about us. 
compels us to learn, explore. I don't really get it myself. (laughs) Yes, the human compulsion. And unfortunately for us, it is the power which will grow stronger century by century, eon after eon. Eons. Have you any idea how far we'll advance? Perhaps in the future that you cannot yet conceive, even beyond us. So you see, we must know more about this human compulsion. That's why we've selected you, Riker, to become part of the Q, so that you can bring to us this human need and hunger that we may better understand it. I suppose you mean that as a compliment, Q. Or maybe it's my limited mind. In fact, it's probably that. But to become a part of you, I don't even (laughs) like you. (laughs) You're going to miss me. Q vanishes and the bridge crew appears. Oh, and Wesley is there too. Come on! (laughs) Not Wesley again! The vicious animal soldiers are back. A confused Wesley approaches Commander Riker. Commander Riker, what's going on? I was sitting in school and... Worf, my phaser's gone. Are you armed? No. The animal soldiers advance. Picard questions Worf. Where is Q? If you have any answer to any of this. The animal soldiers are getting closer. (laughs) Worf charges to meet the enemy. (laughs) He engages in hand-to-hand combat. He manages to take two soldiers out before being knocked down himself. The animal soldier stabs Worf in the stomach with his bayonet. Worf! Wesley dashes to Worf, too stupid to realize the animal soldiers are surrounding him. Hey. Look, uh, look, look out. Wesley, One of the soldiers comes up behind Wesley and stabs him in the back with his bayonet. (laughs) Wesley reaches down and grabs the tip of the bayonet that is now sticking out of his chest. Blood is pouring from the wound. (sighs) Wesley. Wesley! I'm suddenly upset about this. No! Damn it! Damn it to hell! Riker throws his hands up and a Q-type force field rises in front of the soldiers. Riker! You! You did that! And that's not all! We focus on the Enterprise Bridge. 
Everyone is back on the bridge, alive and well. Wesley and Worf examine where their wounds were, remembering their deaths. That grid! Their wounds! Only the Q can do that! Picard is unamused. Riker stands there with his arms crossed and his chest puffed out like he's hot shit. Mm-hmm. Captain's Log, Stardate 41591.4. Twelve minutes out from Quadra Sigma 3, where the survivors of an underground disaster desperately need our help. Aboard the Enterprise, First Officer William T. Riker needs help nearly as badly, but this is a subject far out of my experience, out of any human's experience. We focus on the ready room. Picard is in deep contemplation at his desk. Riker enters. Will, how the hell do I advise you? You know the implications as well as I. No one has ever offered to turn me into a god before. What the Q has offered you has got to be close to immortality, Will. They're not lying about controlling space and time. We've seen it in what they can do! You've also seen it in what I can do. If you are going to refuse his offer, you must not allow yourself to use this power again. It's too great a temptation for us at our present stage of development. Are you worried that I won't be able to say no to it? You tell me. Are you strong enough to refuse to use that power? Sir, yeah, certainly, yeah. No matter how tempted, no matter how difficult Q makes it for you. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 you have my word. Good. I know what your word means. Mm-hmm. In orbit of Quadra Sigma 3, sir. Ready to beam down rescue team to underground emergency area. We focus on the disaster area. An away team of Data, Jordy, Riker, Dr. Crusher, and two of her medical staff beam down. Well, this way, sir. Riker attempts to open a door, but is unable. Data takes over and is able to open the door quite easily with one hand. (laughs) There are only a few people huddled together. They are obviously in need of immediate medical attention. Are there any others? God! It's just us! Commander! Jordy rushes over to a rockfall. There's somebody under here! Data tosses rocks away as if they're made of polystyrene. You're getting close, Data. Data uncovers a little girl and lifts her out. 
It's too late. She's dead. If only we'd gotten here a little sooner. Data looks at Riker. Well, sir, if indeed you have the power of Q. I don't understand. Certainly you can't bring her back to life. I can't. I'm prevented from that by a promise. We focus on the Enterprise Bridge. Riker, Geordi, and Data enter from the turbo lift. Riker addresses the captain. He seems pissed. I should never have made that agreement with you. I could have saved that child! You're right not to try. Once you became accustomed to that power, number one, when I used it before, what happened? I saved most of our bridge crew, even Wesley, for some reason. And when you grow to like it too much? As soon as it's convenient, Captain, I want a meeting with you and your bridge staff. As soon as we are secure of this rescue operation, I'll discuss all of this new power. Riker walks away from Picard mid-sentence, not caring that he has been dismissed. He enters the turbo lift. It is some time later. Picard is pacing in front of the view screen, which has an image of the planet below. Data is at ops and Geordi at the helm. Riker returns, hubris pouring off of him like Niagara Falls. We can confer here on the bridge, if no one has any objections. The bridge will be fine, since I've called the entire staff. Correction number one! Knowing the decision you face, I have permitted you this gathering. <laughs> of course, Jean-Luc. Crusher and Wesley enter. Uh, Wesley, this meeting is not for you. Why not, sir? You helped me make bridge officer. Acting ensign. Oh, God, don't remind me. All right, he stays. Because I've been given unusual powers, I'm not suddenly a monster. Except for these abilities, and I don't yet know how far they go, I'm the same William T. Riker you've always known for the past several weeks. The bridge crew looks distrustful. Well, everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they're all remembering that old saying, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Do you believe I haven't thought of that, Jean-Luc? Do you believe you haven't thought of that every second, every second of the last day? And have you noticed how you and I are now on a first name basis? Number one, Will. Something has already happened. In what way? Haven't you seen how much I regretted not saving that child? Using the Q power to save her may not have been wrong, no more than it was wrong to save the rest of you from those soldier things. Let's keep in mind that that particular danger was invented by Q. What we represent to the Q commander 
Lowly animals tormented into forming for their amusement. Actually, they think very highly of us, Tasha. We have a quality of growth, which they admire. Or fear. No, we have learned that Q do not admire us. That Q has muddled your mind. Don't you understand his incredible gift to me? Are these truly your friends, brother? Everyone turns to see Q in a monk's habit. Let us pray for understanding and for compassion. Let us do no such damned thing! What is this need of yours for costumes, Q? Have you no identity of your own? I just come in search of the truth. You come in search of what humanity is! Q holds up his giant cross and points it at Picard. I forgive your blasphemy. Don't you see, Riker? He's nothing but a, a flimflam man! He's been that ever since we met him at Farpoint! Flimflam? You offer Riker jealousy. What I offer him is clearly beyond your comprehension. How can your claim friendship for Riker when obstructing his way to the greatest adventure ever offered to a human? Obstructing him? Then it's not certain. He's not yet committed. The truly evil part of this, <clears throat> Captain, except for Wesley, is your jealousy. Hugh looks to Riker. You love each one of your people. Demonstrate it. You have the power to leave each one of them with a gift proving your affection. There'd be no harm, would there? If I gave them something I know they'd like. Oh, how touching. A plea from his former commander. May I please give some happiness to my friends, sir? Please, sir! In fact, I authorize and support your idea, Riker. Please, feel free to cooperate with him if you wish. Okay, are you certain, sir? Quite certain, Data! By all means! Demonstrate your gifts of affection. Don't be frightened. There's no way I could harm any of you. Shall I guess your dreams? Beverly gets up and crosses the bridge, going over to protect her son. Leave now, Wesley. No! Wesley, I may know best of all. Our friendship... Our long talks. No, please. Have your favorite wish, my young friend. Wesley is transformed from a teenager to a hunk. It's what you and everyone else has always wanted, Wesley. You're ten years older and a completely different person. <laughs> a man. Hey! Wes, not bad. Wesley smiles, but Beverly looks crushed and <laughs> frightened. Data. No, 
No, sir! <laughs> but it's what you've always wanted, Data. To become human. <laughs> yes, sir. That is true. But I never wanted to compound one illusion with another. It might be real to cure. Perhaps even you, sir. But it would never be so to me. Was it not one of the captain's favorite authors who wrote this above all to find own self be true? Sorry, Commander. I must decline. Riker turns to Jordy. And you, my friend, I'm not even going to ask for your permission. I know what you want. He waves his hand in front of Jordy. He reaches down and takes off Jordy's visor. Jordy looks at the view screen and around the bridge and his crewmates. He pauses while looking at Tasha. Wesley, you're as beautiful as I imagined <laughs> and more. Then we can throw away the visor? I don't think so, sir. The price is a little high for me, and I don't like who I would have to thank. Make me the way I was. Riker hesitates. Please! Riker <laughs> does as he wishes. You know what, Jordy? I get it. He looks different, but he is still Wesley. Proud warrior wharf. Without a single tie to his own kind. A Klingon woman is kneeling at his feet. She gets up, tries to swipe at Tasha, and gets knocked down by Worf. No! She's from a world now alien to me! Worf, is this your idea of sex? This is sex, but I have no place for it in my life now. <laughs> no place, microbrain. What possesses you? <laughs> Commander Riker, it's too soon for this. You mean the thing with Jordy? Yes, he's making me uncomfortable. Is this because your mother objects? No, I just want to get there on my own. Honestly, you didn't even change my voice. But it's easier, boy. Listen to Riker. Riker looks to Picard. How did you know, sir? 
I feel like such an idiot. Hmm. Quite right. So you should. Hey. Picard walks over to Q and rips his hood down. It's all over, Q. You have no further business here. <laughs> Human, you have just destroyed yourself. Pay off your wager. I recall no wager. I'm sure your fellow Q uh, remember you agreed never to trouble our species again. Just as they're aware you failed to tempt a human to join you. Q looks up to the ceiling. No, if I could just do one more thing. Q, I strongly suspect it's some explaining you have to do now. Q screams as he disappears. Wesley returns to the gangly teenager. Yay. The Klingon woman vanishes. Everyone is moved to new positions. Extraordinary! Captain! We are showing that same hole in time again. Our instruments say we've just now beamed back from our rescue mission. Well, sir, how is it that the Q can handle time and space so well and us so badly? Perhaps someday we will discover that space and time are simpler than the human equation. No coordinates laid in, number one. Yes, sir, I... Guess we're just gonna pretend that none of this even happened. You have my coordinates, LaForge. Aye, sir. On the board. Engage. Yes, and that's right. That concludes our reading of Star Trek The Next Generation's episode, Hide in Q. Wow, that was fun. A lot of fun there, guys. Okay, let's let's bring in our whole cast here and just kind of acknowledge everyone. I want a big shout out to the man who had the most lines in this episode, Jody Simpson. Uh, as our, as our up half of them, probably. <laughs> as our mischievous prankster uh, villain of this episode. Uh, great job, Jody. Yeah, Aldebrin. Deb. Yes, one day. Deb. One day. Uh, but you know what? I, I wanted to play Q in a way where he does have some fault. Of course. Yeah, Mostly he's not, mine. Not, um, a- a- after being alive since the beginning of existence, he's, uh, he's still you know what? You know what? He's old enough that, let's be honest, he can screw up a line or two. Sure. Yeah, he, he can make lemonades. He's, he's got things on the go. I, I, I'm Dave Mater. I was playing Jean-Luc Picard. Jane Mater playing Dr. Beverly Crusher, a concerned mother. We had Steve Shives uh, in the role of Commander William T. Riker, uh, also a, 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 a Prospect Q member. I hope you had fun with that, Steve. I, I, I sure did. I did. It was a challenge playing non-bearded Riker because this is season one, but I, well, I feel you, like I did okay that, with you it. You have the beard, right? So Yeah. So, you know, it it, tough, it's really hard. If you want to be Matthew, you have to shave it off. Uh, we also had. <laughs> oh, let's not go there. Let's talk about method. Let's talk about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Lieutenant Commander Data. Mad as TV pl- Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mad TV Mad Arnold TV. Schwarzenegger as played Data. I know that Jessica's version of Tasha Yar was. She's done that voice before. I don't know. I couldn't quite place what. Yes, it's awesome. 
It was like depressed Neelix. Depressed Neelix. Depressed Neelix. <laughs> hilarious. It was yeah. hilarious. I just pictured her with like braces on the whole time. Yeah. I thought you were like in the penalty <laughs> box with like a mouth guard. Like yeah, a like, like a mouth player or something, baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, what am I doing? Crying? Uh, there's a new standing order. Crying in the penalty box is legal. Uh, we had Jeff Mater in the role of uh, helmsman Jordy LaForge. No coolant leaks. No, but you know what? Wes was an attractive man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a minor, Jeff. You better watch that. Jordy's uh, love life still a mess. Yes. <laughs> uh, Worf, you came out of nowhere, man. Tom Tyrell in the role of Lieutenant uh, Junior Grade Worf tonight. Put on your phaser. You got you got st- you died and you came back to life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey man, Slash is done. It goes, it's an exciting life. For, for Worf uh, lives an exciting life. He does. <laughs> he does. Uh, and then we had Kevin Millard in the role of Wesley Crusher, uh, maybe the least popular member of the bridge crew uh, tonight. <laughs> or the most popular or at the some most point. Yeah, I think it was most popular. <laughs> most popular. Ashley Millard in, as our narrator and I believe as a, a woman, uh, one of the women that we were trying to save. I think the... she had more lines than anybody else. Well, as the narrator. Guys, let's uh, let's just talk about this and uh, break it all down. Uh, always uh, fun. Um, I guess uh, maybe the episode itself, because uh, I, I saw Kevin and Ashley last night, and they were like, this episode is not so good, Dave. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, well, it's got its charm. This is the move along home of TNG. It's only a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The game of it, you know, it's interesting because, like, you know, we think of, like, the, the, the encounters with Q, uh, like, you know, like, I guess the counter at far point and then all good things, you know, the, the trial when he's in the judge's outfit and everything else. But this is a, a quite like, it feels like a sequel a little bit to like encounter. This is a reminder that not every episode with Q in it is a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like, well, I, I don't even know if this is the worst Q episode either though. No, uh, it's not. Yeah. No, the deep space nine <laughs> one. The deep space. Oh, nine one. Was the, worst one. Oh. the one with Amanda Rogers. Uh, Steve might disagree, though. He, oh, he the, was the, the, the one with the, the BBQ. That was okay. The one like the lady, the girl there that was the blonde one. Uh, yeah, yeah. With the selective tornado, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. They killed their parents. It's like it was like a, this one tornado just destroyed the house and. Everyone went. Well, that was weird. <laughs> Nobody suspected anything. Nothing <laughs> odd about that. The tornado shields. Hey, these Sweet. things happen. You know. Yeah. Uh, for me, this episode really feels like a Star Trek original series episode. Yeah. Like you yes. know, it's written by Gene Roddenberry, and it, it just has a lot of those those cues that whole scene where you know Tasha Yaris is like well if you weren't the captain then and like and then we oh, were like what? what like what what were you getting at here she and then Jordy's it. hitting on her later like yeah. it's what it's such an awkward on? scene yeah <laughs> yeah it was, like I guess they were they didn't really know what they wanted to do with these season one yeah it's also so yeah. like that's all it takes. You'd be nice to me for a second, and that's it. I'm ready to jump you. She's had a very rough life. Yeah. <laughs> she's very low standard. She's susceptible to those kinds of things, you know? Like, having done the, the original series rewatch, like, I, I uh, with Jody and, like, uh, with, our, yes. uh, with my dad, like, it's it's clearly how Gene Roddenberry thought. He's like, when women get scared, if you comfort them, they get horny. Love- 
they get horny yeah. they love you forever that was like his direct correlation and <laughs> the way he and, thought and they get scared really really easily because i'm pretty yes. sure I, i'm pretty sure half of nichelle nichols lines in star trek the original series are captain i'm frightened they make her say that all the time yeah yep Yep. He's like, come on, Lieutenant, you can do it. You can pull it together. Oh, Captain, yeah. I'm so very frightened. <laughs> and then so he kisses her. I'm so yeah. frightened I can't even do this job that doesn't require me to do anything. <laughs> I just asked for a cup of coffee. Jeez. Oh. I wiggle around my earpiece and hit a button once in a while. Well, we're gonna see the new the new Uhura, Cadet Uhura in Star Trek Strange New Worlds coming up. And yeah. you know, so we're gonna get some more of her backstory filled in and you know we'll um... find out why she was so frightened all the time. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> What was she so scared of? Maybe it was because she was like scared work. of like console knobs or something. That yeah, whatever happens like, with this mission with Captain Pike, it really shakes her up. She's just yeah. nervous <laughs> for the rest of her life. <laughs> yeah. Because if she she's starts off all brave, yeah, and then becomes scared. But um Jeff, what did you think? Mm. Um, you know what? I actually kind of enjoy this episode because it's like a very like problem solving theater of the mind. What's going on? Trying to figure out Q, introducing all of his powers. So I think it's actually a better episode than uh, we're giving it credit for. But at the same time, um, yeah, it is very original series. It, it, it definitely has that feel. I agree. It has one of my favorite lines from Picard in it, and that's just quite right. So you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say the makeup department was really good because for some reason, from out of all the episodes, there's some I don't remember, but this one I remember distinctly because of those weird warthog French yeah. soldiers. Some yeah. like strange yeah. animal things. They, 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 they almost look like the Grinch yeah. in a way. Yeah, French yeah. animal things. It's like yeah. guys, you've seen weirder aliens than this. Like they seem just utterly <laughs> baffled by those things. They're like I don't even know what to call them. It's like guys, well, you, you work in space. You've seen weirder yeah. aliens than this. And the Klingon is like, oh, they're these weird these weird, weird animal, yeah. weird. Yeah, look, animal look at how things. weird those like, guys are they have sharp teeth and bumpy on, foreheads dude. and uh, wait wait a minute <laughs> all this yeah. hair everywhere they got a lot of hair yeah. <laughs> they basically look like tall tellerites uh yeah. yes yeah, yes like yeah, yeah. Like it's actually less frightening than the original series tellerites Tellerite. <laughs> <laughs> human yeah. want to play game there should have been a Tellarite crew member, so when they started calling them weird animal things, he could have turned around and been like, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you talking to? I think they look great. I'm standing yeah. right here, you guys. I'm, I'm thinking about that. asking that one out on a date. Yeah, Jacob Pog would not like that. Jessica, no, she's on the, the Prodigy yeah, podcast. Jessica. Prodigy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, like great, lots of fun. I uh, can't wait to put this into an edited version and uh, and get that out there because that's the other thing too is like I liked uh, when uh, Jessica threw in the improv there. Uh, to, she's like Commander, and Steve, that, that that was a callback from when we did the first contact read because uh, my cousin Davin was playing Zephram Cochran and he just loved throwing shade at Riker in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> just Commander, if that's really Commander. your title. But he well, I mean, throwing shade at Riker is always fun. Because uh, the more the more uh, that episode went, or that movie, I guess, went on, the more Davin just got drunk. He was committed to the part of Zephram <laughs> He went method. He, he's very method. Yeah. He's very method. He, he was. He was weird. You could literally hear the clinking of his glass. Like, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think even whiskey. Cochran was supposed to be this drunk. <laughs> I'm not going up there sober. The event. Uh, so. <laughs>
Okay, so um, we'll have the edited version of this uh, posted probably in the next two weeks or so, something like that. If you didn't know already, we just posted uh, the edited version of our last radio theater edit, which was uh, looking for Parmok in all the wrong places, which we recorded back on February 19th. Uh, that just got posted yesterday. Kevin Millard is Quark in that one. Jane is Dax. I was Worf. Maude is that O'Brien. You got You have not listened to that oh, O'Brien. <laughs> the best. Go back and listen to that O'Brien. And try not to laugh. No, Martin you did a great job. It's just so funny. It's so, so funny. funny. And I, 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 I tried to edit out as much because oh. Jessica was playing Kira in that episode and mostly dealing with O'Brien and trying to uh, not laugh at his accent. Uh, Jessica, uh, Jessica was the nurse. Uh, yeah, she, because at the end, but instead of saying Nerese, he goes, "Okay, nurse." <laughs> <laughs> But uh, check that out. And I'm thinking for um, for April, we're going to maybe do, uh, to celebrate First Contact Day, we'll do the episode Darmok. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. We're aiming in. And then something with Moogie for, uh, for Mother's Day. Moogie. Moogie. <laughs> um, also, you want to check out the other stuff we have here on Live Long and Podcast. You definitely should. On Monday nights, we talk about Star Trek Enterprise with Jody Simpson, Kevin Millard, and um, Adam, Adam Woodward. Woodward. We've been going through all those episodes. We're up to what? Episode 15 now, Jody? Yeah, I think we're doing 15. Of season on one. We just talked about yeah. uh, Sleeping Dogs last week. And so uh, we're going through episode by episode, rating all of those. Check that out every Monday night here on Live Long and Podcast. Every Tuesday night, we have Star Trek Deep Space Nine rewatch. We've been doing that for two years now. It was a three and a half year journey. Jeff Mater, what's going on over there in Deep Space Nine? Yes, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, on at Tuesday. Yeah, we're 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 on our way through season five, Dave. And uh, great, there's some great uh, Riza episodes. You love them. I hate them. I also <laughs> I don't. I I think Julian Bashir has been a changeling since episode one of this season. No, people, he has people, not. People disagree with me on that one, but his performance is different. Go back. You think you think it's changeling Bashir that went to Riza? Yes. Oh man. All right, and then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so check that out every Tuesday night to hear about that. And then on uh, Thursdays, we're obviously talking about the newest episode of Star Trek. Uh, this past Thursday, we had two new episodes to talk about, both Discovery and Picard. Uh, Jody Simpson and Davin, they were talking about Picard. I was over talking with Ashley and Michael about Discovery. As we got to about three weeks of overlap with those two shows, check those out over on our channel. And then we'll, I'll, be, I'll be into to, to, to Picard. And getting into all of that we've we've talked about star trek prodigy this year with jessica chan and others uh and then uh coming up after that is strange new worlds that's may that's in may may so it's like and then i guess yeah. I, I would imagine lower decks is not too far behind that after that so yeah. one day dave will actually be able to sleep yes <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of Star Trek going on. And then on top of that, we also have our other channel called Super Mater Brothers Podcasting. That's uh, Jeff Mater and often Jamil Robinson. And I talk about all kinds of shows not related to Star Trek or movies. Uh, right now, we're, we're covering uh, Big Brother Canada Season 10, which just kicked off this week. We just finished up Celebrity Big Brother 3, as well as Survivor Season 41 late last year. Survivor Season 42 coming up. We'll be doing the cast preview tomorrow and doing our draft uh, along with that to kind of uh, get ready for Survivor there. And then uh, Trivial Debates, our third channel where we argue about movies, TV, sports in a game show format each month. Jeff Mader just hosting most recently our February 27th episode with Jody Simpson, Jamil Robinson, and Max Duda competing. It was a doozy, everybody. They argued yeah. which sports franchise was the most irrelevant, Ooh. and none of them Ooh. won. 
Well, somebody got a point, but so anyway, so check those out. Also, check out Davin Skelhorn's podcast uh, called The uh, Locuters of Trek, uh, his Star Trek one, where he does like no. debates and he does different things over there, like uh, trivia and stuff like that. And then also, he has X Men the animated series rewatch called X Rated. He's doing with his friend Andre. I was just on that this past Tuesday. They interviewed uh, Erica and Julia Leewald, the creators, executive producers of that show uh, if you haven't checked out that interview yet you definitely should it's an excellent uh listen and also uh you should check out uh michael's podcast the hellbound podcast with alex mm-hmm. blackburn they talk about horror and of course steve shives you got some stuff going on i always have some stuff going on i yeah uh youtube.com slash steve shives is my main thing if anybody wants to uh see way more of me than anybody really should want to um <laughs> and also i co-host a couple of podcasts um on the uh, as a part of the uh, the Lemmy uh, the Lemmy Listen family of podcasts, there's Late Seating that is a movie review podcast that I co-host with my best friend Jason Harding, and also there is the Ensign's Log, the Star Trek themed improv comedy podcast that I'm on alongside Jason and also my old friend Dana Cole, where we improv as low ranking officers <laughs> currently currently serving aboard the uh, the Enterprise D. And uh, our episodes kind of happen in the background of actual TNG episodes. We're getting close to the end of season two of TNG. Um, So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So like a pre-Cito Jackson Lower Decks. uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm right thinking now. there might be a legal recourse here, Steve. I'm I, honestly, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm gonna sue Mike McMahon for everything he's worth. <laughs> No, it's Good not. Luck. It's not. It's not the most no. original idea. People used to because we've we've done no. our we've done our podcast for four years, and when Lower Decks was announced, people were like, "Do you think they ripped off your idea?" I was like, "Dude, they haven't heard our show. It's not that popular. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that original of an idea." <laughs> all fine. And definitely check out all of Steve's content over there on his YouTube channel, uh, as well as his audio podcasts. Hey. We're, we'll, we can stay here and chat after the show's over, but I think we'll come off the air. And uh, great job, whole cast. This was so much fun, and uh, I'm, I, I can't wait for the next one. And thank you again, Steve, for joining us on this one. It's always time. It was a blast. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, awesome. what should we what should we go out on, guys? Uh, just uh, any any requests? Ke- Kevin doing uh, Wesley some more. Oh yeah, do some Wesley. Oh, come on, <laughs> Commander Ray. Commander Ray here. I want to stay because you made me a bridge officer. Oh my Acting ensign. Acting ensign. It's the greatest mistake of my life. Yes. What is not good. bad? Well, that Looking your sweater. Yeah. Wesley's sweater. You work oh out, Wes? God. All right. Let's sign off for the night. Live long a podcast, everyone. And you have a great uh, weekend. Take care. Oh, thank you.